Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, provided by Living Stream Ministry and featuring the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. Witness Lee served the Lord faithfully for more than 70 years, culminating with his exhaustive commentary on the entire scriptures called Life Study of the Bible. Today, we're happy to bring you recorded excerpts from his ministry, along with some of our own considerations. At the end of the program, we'll give you the website where you can find more about the remarkable ministry of these two men. But for now, please enjoy today's program. The book of Exodus is the story of how God delivered his people out of their bondage and captivity, eventually bringing them to the mountain of God to receive the Ten Commandments. Though this may have seemed like the high peak of their experience to them, to God, all of this was in preparation for the real peak the revelation of the tabernacle, his building. How about us? Are we like the children of Israel, concerned for our own well-being and personal spiritual mountaintop experiences? Or are we occupied with what occupies God? Joining us today for another excursion into the book of Exodus is Ron Kangas. Ron, welcome to our program once again. I'm happy to be here and happy to fellowship concerning the wonderful matter of God's building. Ron, as we've examined, we've seen that the tabernacle does represent Christ and also God's building. This ministry faithfully brings us back to God's building, it seems, in every book that we contact. But God's building to most people is not a topic that carries a tremendous significance. How important is this view of God's building in gaining a real, genuine understanding of the Bible as a whole? It is so important that without the view of God's building, it is impossible to have the proper understanding of the Bible, because the Bible is a book of God's building. This is not a fanciful interpretation based upon a few isolated texts. In Genesis 2, we have the materials for building, gold, delium, a kind of pearl substance, and onyx, a kind of precious stone. Then at the end of the Bible, we have a city built with gold and pearl and precious stones. So the two ends of the Bible, reflecting each other, indicate building. Then throughout the Old Testament, you have types and pictures of God's building, such as the Ark of Noah and the tabernacle in Exodus and the building of the temple under Solomon and the rebuilding in Ezra. Then in the New Testament, The Lord himself says, I will build my church. Paul speaks of the church as a building, as a house, as a temple. In Ephesians, he speaks about the whole building. The entire church is growing into a holy temple in the Lord. Then in Revelation, you have the consummation of the building. This brief word indicates, doesn't it, that there is a line of building through the Bible. Even Abraham, I just recall a verse we know that he left... Ur of the Chaldees, and he was looking for a city, the architect and builder of which is God. So God is referred to as an architect and a builder. Well, God is endeavoring to build up a dwelling place with his chosen and redeemed people. This is the meaning of the universe, the goal of God's salvation. The Bible reveals the picture and the reality and the practicality of God's building. So from this we conclude, with proper basis, 
that the Bible is a book of building. God is moving toward his building, and if we are one with him, we will be one with him in this tremendous building work. Well, Ron, you gave us a good line from end to end throughout the Scripture, and Witness Lee is going to stay on that line in this first portion. Let's go to him now. The tabernacle not only typifies Christ, but also typifies the three stages of God's dwelling place on this earth. Firstly, Christ. Then, the children of Israel. And thirdly, the church today. We have put out a book, The Vision of God's Building. I hope that you all would spend some time to read that book. Uh, I would say that book is quite unique. If you get into that book, you could see it shows us that the entire Bible is a book of this building. In the first two pages, you have the building materials revealed. And then to the last two pages of the Bible, you have the conclusion of uh, the use of all those materials. In Genesis 2, you have uh, the gold, delum, that means a kind of pearl, and uh, onyx, precious stone, great things. To the end of the Bible, again, you have the same thing, the gold, the pearl, and the precious stones. But in Genesis 2, it was just the material. No building yet. But in uh, Revelation 21 and 22, you have a building. A building with those three categories of materials. In between of these two ends of the Bible, you do have a process of God's building. God, for the fulfilling of his plan, firstly, he created things. Then he built up a house, eternal house, for his eternal building. Creation is to lay a foundation. Then building is God's main work. Many Christians, when they read the Bible, they see easily that creation is there. But most of the Christians did not pay sufficient attention to the following work of God, the building. God's predestination is for the building. God's calling is for the building. God's redemption is for the building. God's salvation, even regeneration, all are for the building. And today, what God is doing, either preaching the gospel or edifying the saints and so forth, all these works are parts of the main work that is the building. God has a goal to build up a universal home for himself. And what we have been seeing is just a little model according to the pattern shown to Moses in the heavens. This is a heavenly 
pattern. Ron, this was one of those bird's eye view of the Bible that we would get from time to time from Witness Lee. It's really something to see the tabernacle as a miniature or a model of the central work that God is doing throughout the whole Bible. A lot of people might say it's a real stretch to speak of the tabernacle in such grandiose terms, but really, is this such a stretch? Not in the least. The tabernacle in Exodus is a type and a picture of the individual personal Christ and the church as the corporate Christ. John 1.14 clearly reveals that Christ is a tabernacle, the dwelling place of God. And in John 2, we have an allusion to Christ being the temple. And he said, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up again. But he spoke of the temple of his body, which really and ultimately is his mystical body, indicating that the temple that was enlarged through Christ's death and resurrection is the church. The principle is the same with the tabernacle, and it comes as no surprise that the New Jerusalem, the ultimate building of God with his redeemed, is called God's tabernacle. So the very fact that the New Jerusalem, surely a corporate entity, is the tabernacle of God points to the fact that the tabernacle is not only the individual Christ, but according to 1 Corinthians 12, 12, the enlarged Christ, the increased Christ, the multiplied Christ, the corporate Christ, that is Christ the head with all the believers as his body. So as we consider the pictures in the Old Testament in light of the definitions in the New Testament and the definitions in the New Testament in light of the pictures and types in the Old Testament, we have a solid basis to affirm that the tabernacle portrays not only Christ personally, but the church corporately. And when we see it as portraying the church corporately, this opens up a vast realm of spiritual experience that is ours to explore in Christ Jesus. Ron, when uh, an outsider would come across the tabernacle in the wilderness, the first thing he would see is this incredible white linen curtain surrounding the tabernacle. And I'd like just to point that out to our listeners because that's going to be very much key in this coming section. Here's Witness Lee. The hangings signify Christ as God's righteousness to be the expression of God's building. At the same time, it is the boundary of the building. Christ as God's righteousness is the expression of God's building. And this is the boundary of God's building. And this is Christ. You have uh, three words. Righteousness, expression, boundary. The three are Christ. Christ is God's righteousness, God's expression, and the boundary of God's building. Finally, Nin, here, no doubt, signifies God's righteousness. And this righteousness of God is just Christ himself. Today, Christ is our righteousness. And this Christ, who is both God and ours, is the expression of God's building. 
if you look at the expression of the tabernacle, you could see it is so simple, so neat, so clean, so pure, so white, and so bright. No mixture there. Just so righteous. It is righteousness. And it is the righteousness of God lived out through Christ and now through his church. So today, the church must have an expression which is Christ himself as our righteousness. This is a testimony. And this is the boundary. The boundary is just this righteous expression. You look at the tabernacle, you can see the outer expression of God's building is righteousness. And the inner expression of God's building is holiness. When you come to the tabernacle, you see the outer court. You see the hangings of the other court. You see my, the bright righteousness. When you enter into the tabernacle, what you will see? Gold, gold, gold everywhere. Gold around, gold on the top, gold everywhere. And all the furnitures are made of gold. It's gold, gold, gold. What is that? That is the holiness. And the holiness refers to God's nature. And righteousness refers to God's doing. Whatever God does, that's righteous. Whatever God says, that is righteous. Then the holiness is the expression of God in his nature. And today, the church as God's building should have these two expressions of God. One outer, one inner. The outer expression that the church should bear of God is righteousness. And the inner expression is holiness. Ron, we've spent several weeks now on this matter of the tabernacle, and we've looked at so many of these materials, elements, items that were included in its construction and in all of the furnishings, probably two bore the most significance in its outward appearance. As I mentioned earlier, and as we just heard, this linen surrounding the outer court, the first thing that you would see. But after you got into the tabernacle, gold was probably the most dominant feature. These two things, gold and linen, both bear a very special significance in the Bible, don't they? Indeed they do. If we see the significance, again, a whole new vista of experience in Christ is open to us. Both the gold and the linen refer to Christ in his expression in God's building or to the expression of Christ. And it's significant that the linen, which signifies Christ as righteousness, that's visible because that is Christ expressed outwardly toward man. It's an expression of Christ that human beings can behold and appreciate and respect. When we live out the Christ who is mingled with our spirit, 
that living out produces an expression, which is righteousness signified by the linen. But once we get into the tabernacle itself, then we just see a lot of gold. And just as the linen signifies righteousness, the gold signifies the nature of God, and the nature of God is holiness. When you get into God's building intrinsically, then you see that Christ expresses God toward God and for God. So the building of which the tabernacle is a type is a matter of the corporate expression of the triune God in Christ. This corporate expression is manward and it is Godward. In its manward expression, it's a matter of righteousness typified by the linen. In its Godward expression, it's a matter of holiness signified or typified by the gold, which refers to, in type, the nature of God. And it's no surprise that when Paul speaks of the new man in Ephesians 4, and the new man is a corporate entity, it's God's building, he speaks of righteousness and holiness of the reality, indicating that both in the picture and in the reality, we need Christ as our righteousness in an expression that is toward man, and we need Christ as our holiness in an expression is toward God, and this expression is corporate, and this expression is therefore a matter of God's building. It is no wonder then that God said way back in chapter 25, Build me a tabernacle, a dwelling place, according to the pattern shown on the mount. This is the desire of God. This is the goal of the economy of God. This is the issue of the salvation of God. This is the burden of this ministry. And we hope that more and more of God's children will be enlightened by the word to seek what God is seeking. That is the building. Well, linen and gold are significant in uh, much quantity as we look at the tabernacle. They're not the only items there, and we want to draw attention to this third item we're going to touch today in this last section. That is the bronze that covered the pillars around the tabernacle. Here's Witness Lee. The pillars signify Christ judged by God being the standing and supporting strings of the prison of God's building. Christ is not only the base of the separation, but also the standing strength, the supporting strength of the separation of God's building. Both the pillars and the sockets are just Christ. And this Christ is not the glorified Christ. It's the judged Christ. And today, we need to live such a judged Christ because to express him to the outsiders in the world, we need to be judged in our daily life. Our daily living, in whatever we do, should be judged. Then we can express Christ as the righteousness of God. If you live Christ and His just life, in Him there is such an element. The more you live Him, the more your daily life is judged in everything. 
then you have a base and you have the standing strength, supporting strength to bear the righteousness of God as God's expression toward the world. Then you could realize the very significance of such a picture. This matter also signifies Christ in the aspect that he was judged by God in the likeness of the man of flesh. He has the likeness of the fallen flesh. And he was judged in this flesh. You are a man, but your flesh should be judged. And in Christ, it has been judged. When you leave Christ with this Christ, there is such an element. When we leave Christ, his judged life will just bring us in our daily life under God's judgment. When we leave such a Christ, we are judged daily in every way. Then we have the base. Then we have the pillars. Then we have the base with the standing, sporting strings to uh, bear the righteousness of God as God's expression. Ron, the hangings or curtains of white linen that formed the outer boundary of the tabernacle were hung on pillars of bronze that were set in a base that was also of bronze. As gold signifies the divine and holy nature of God, we've seen that bronze signifies God's judgment. Most Christians know and believe that our judgment was born by Christ on the cross. So let me ask you this question. How does God's judgment then affect us today in our Christian walk? The believers are correct to appreciate that when Christ died on the cross, he bore the righteous judgment of God in our place so that we would not have to bear the judgment upon us for our sins. Instead, we believe into Christ and we are justified by faith in Christ and the judgment that he bore, we do not have to bear because Christ bore it once for all. But this doesn't cover everything related to judgment. Otherwise, Peter would not have said in his epistle, judgment begins at the house of God. There is a kind of judgment that begins with the church as the house of God. So this must be a judgment other than what Christ bore on the cross. What we are talking about here is Christ as our righteousness lived out of us for the expression of God in Christ. If we are to have Christ as signified by the linen here, we need to have the experience of the brass. That is, we need to experience in an actual and practical way the judgment of God on everything and anything in us, about us, and with us that does not express Christ. In order to have Christ as our righteousness, we must experience God's judgment on that which is not Christ. For example, if we are to be righteous in our speaking, in our daily conversation, if we are to have a speaking that expresses Christ, typified by the linen, we must experience God's judgment 
upon all of our speaking, which is just from ourself, which is gossip, which is vain, which is empty. When we experience God's judgment, the issue of that is that we will become more and more one with Christ in our speaking, and we will become righteous in our speaking, even becoming the righteousness of God itself. The crucial point here is that there's a connection between the bronze and the linen. The bronze signifies judgment. The linen signifies righteousness. In order to have the linen, we must have the bronze. In order to have Christ as our lived out and expressed righteousness, we must have in our experience God's judgment upon that which is not Christ. We are not speaking here of our eternal salvation. We are speaking here of our daily living, of having one life and one living with Christ. We are speaking here, as Paul does in 2 Corinthians 5.21, of becoming the righteousness of God in Christ. It is Christ lived out of us and expressed toward man as fine linen. If we want this, we need bronze. That is, we need judgment. And when we have judgment, we have real righteousness. I'd like to thank Ron Kangas for being with us. Come back very soon, Ron. I look forward to that. We do too. I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you for listening today. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, produced by Living Stream Ministry. To contact us, please call toll-free 888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. Thanks for listening.